you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. Good morning, Riverbend Church. Good morning, everybody doing good this morning. It is a nice day to be in the house of God because it is nasty outside. So it is warm, it is nice, it is dry in here. So I want to say welcome to you. If you're if this is your first time with us, my name is Preston. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say welcome. I would also love to get the chance to meet you and maybe drop a gift in your hand before you leave here today just to say thank you for taking the first part of your week and joining us here at Riverbend Church. Not only is it an awesome day to be here at Riverbend Church because it is nasty out and nice in, but we are starting a new series called What If. Everybody say, What If? What If? And there's something I want to acknowledge this morning about what ifs in our life. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of what ifs in a room this size, in a group of people this size, and people, if you're online with us this morning, there's a lot of what ifs in your life. And the what if question normally, normally is used to prepare yourself, to prepare yourself for what's to come in your life. It also is to count out every and exhaust every thought of what could come, the possibilities of something that may arise in your life. The what if. Is, do we have any what ifers in the room this morning? Is there, is there anybody when a, in a, something comes up in your life, you think you're about to go do something, you ask what if, like maybe you're going on vacation, you're like, well, what if it rains? What if we have a flat tire? Do we have the right insurance? Do we, do we have any what ifers besides me in the room this morning? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, there's a couple of us. There's a couple of us. We'll, we'll bring a couple of you others along with us as we, as we go throughout the day. Well, I'm a whatever. I am. I'm a whatever. And in my life, a few years ago, my wife and I, we had to make a big decision for our life. And it was a job change for me um, to be able to do what I'm doing now. And through that, God was calling me to something. And I started to ask the what if question. Well, what am I going to do if? What if this happens? What are we going to do? How will I provide for my family if this happens or if this happens or if this happens or if this happens? You know what happens when we use the what if? We open our minds up. We open our minds up for the enemy to creep in and start saying things like this because you know how I know this? Because I lived it a couple of years ago. You're not enough. You're not capable. Preston, you're too young. That's what I heard. You're too young. You don't know enough. You're not smart enough. You didn't go to seminary. You should just continue doing what you're doing now because you're good at it. And that was being a fireman at the time. And you should just keep doing that. And for a moment, I started listening to what the enemy was telling me. And what we want to do through this what if series is this right here. What if, what if we listen to what God says about our most personal questions. What if we listen to what God says about our most personal questions? And so to do that, we're gonna be in the book of Exodus. We're gonna be in the book of Exodus chapter three. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can go ahead and turn there. And as you turn there, I wanna give you a little backdrop on the story because we're talking about a man named Moses. And so Moses was born of a Hebrew woman. Moses was then, as a newborn, ordered to be put to death by Pharaoh, which was the king of Egypt. He put an order out to kill all male newborn 
Hebrew boys. And so Moses' mother, this is crazy just to imagine, Moses' mother puts him in a basket, puts him in a river and floats him down the river because she thought that that was his best chance at life. She thought that was what was best for her son. So she floats him down the river and Pharaoh's daughter is near the river one day with a couple of her helpers and she calls out to her helpers, tells them to go get that basket that's floating down the river. So they go and get it and she sees that there's a baby in there. Pharaoh's daughter then has compassion for the baby. So Pharaoh, uh, or, um, Pharaoh's daughter has compassion for the baby. She names him Moses. She raises Moses. And so Moses just went from being hunted to in the royal family. Quickly, just like that. Went from being hunted to the royal family. And so as Moses was in the royal family for 40 years, for 40 years, Moses was in the royal family. Moses one day says, I want to go see my Hebrew people. So he goes out, sets out to go see his Hebrew people. You know what happens when he's out? He sees an Egyptian man beating a Hebrew man. Moses, we're talking about Moses here in the Bible, then kills the Egyptian man. After Moses kills the Egyptian man, there's other Egyptian men that were off in the distance and saw what had just happened. And so they ran and told Pharaoh. Pharaoh then puts a hit out on Moses and Moses flees to a town called Midian. There, Moses would then meet his wife Zipporah. She is the daughter of Jethro, the priest of Midian. She is a daughter of seven. Jethro has seven daughters. If you have seven daughters in the room this morning, glory be to God, you can do that. I don't know if I could handle any more of my daughter, Dallas. Uh, she is enough. If you know anything about my daughters, you know she is a lot. She's a, she's a, a four-year-old, and she loves to be boss. So my, um, so he then does this. This is what Moses then goes, as we said, from being in the royal family. Moses then goes for the next 40 years. This is what we're going to pick up in the story today. Moses then goes to being a shepherd. A shepherd. So this is where we're going to pick up in the story today. Chapter 3, verse 1. You can read along with me. It's also up here on the screen. It's this. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Wouldn't we all stare in amazement if we saw this bush on fire randomly? Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Listen here, church. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. So before we go any further in this amazing story, two weeks ago, Pastor Greg and I were talking about this passage and Pastor Greg posed the question. He said, Preston, when was it that Moses or that God called out to Moses? And he said, there's two things that I noticed. Number one, it was when Moses got close to the bush. It was when Moses got close to the bush. Number two, it was when Moses locked his eyes and focused his eyes on the bush. 
There's a relatable reality to Moses' story here that I wanna give us this morning that we need to all understand and see in our own lives. And the relatable reality is this right here. It's when we get close and focus our eyes on Jesus that we're able to hear and listen for his direction. Everybody say the word listen. 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 As I said, I have three children. My oldest is Jax. He's a five-year-old. And if you know anything about Jax, he's always wearing some type of crazy costume when he comes to church. And then when you leave, you see the kid out in the tree. That's my son, Jax. Jax, a few months ago, I could have swore had a difficult time hearing me. I was like, Jax can't hear me. Jax can't hear me. Why? Because I'd call out to him and be like, hey, Jax, I need you to do this. Or Jax, could you please clean up your toys? Or Jax, come here. It's dinner time. And if you're a parent, you may have went through this same thing. And Jax just seemed to never listen to me. He seemed to never listen to me. And there was two things that I started to notice about my son Jax and why he wouldn't listen to me. Number one was Jax was normally far away. He was probably out in the playground at our house playing or chasing after his sister or they were fighting or he was playing with the dogs and he was far away. He wasn't close to me and I would have to call out from a distance away. And number two is Jax was normally focused on something other than me. Jax had his eyes focused on either the TV or his toys or his sister or the dogs, but it wasn't me. So there's this concept that I've been working on with my son and it has started to work. Is when I want to tell Jax, my son, something, I will get him really close to me. I will bring him in close. We will get maybe this far away, maybe closer. And I'll say, Jax, what do we listen with? And Jax now replies, Daddy, we listen with our eyes. And you may say, no, that's a backwards concept. I don't think you understand like our senses and how they work. Like we listen with our ears, right? I would argue that we hear with our ears. I can hear a lot of things going on. I remember multiple times in a season of my life, sitting at the dinner table, and my wife would argue this is season is still going on. I would be sitting at the dinner table. I would hear conversations. I would hear chatter. And it would take about five or 10 times for my wife to call out to me for me to listen to her. Church, you ever been somewhere but not been there? Fathers, mothers, because of work, you ever been somewhere, been sitting at the dinner table, but you weren't there? I know I have. I want to tell you this this morning. If you get close, close, I mean close, and you lock your eyes on Jesus, you'll hear his direction for your life. But it takes getting close and locking our eyes on Jesus. So here in verse four, we have seen that Moses got close. He locked his eyes on the bush and God spoke. God said, Moses, Moses. Now I wanna look at Moses's reply here. He says this in verse four, here I am. Now let's for a few minutes, 
I want to I want to explore this for a few minutes. Let's put ourselves in Moses' shoes. So here we go. Y'all can ride along with me. For 40 years, Moses, if everything had possibly planned out right and panned out right, he could have been the heir to the throne of Egypt because he was a prince. It was possible. Things had to happen for it to happen, but it was possible. He had everything. He was in the royal family. Everything you could think of for 40 years. And in the next 40 years of his life, he's a shepherd. Because of one decision, he becomes a shepherd. And you know what he has? He has a stick. All he has is a stick, a shepherd's staff. Like I could imagine Moses in this time saying these words, how did I get here? I literally had everything and now all I have is a stick. For 40 years, I've been watching another man's sheep eat, sleep and poop. How did I get here? I mean, it's a valid question. How did I get here? I could also hear Moses saying this. I was a baby in a basket, kind of pondering his life when he's talking to a burning bush, thinking he's probably going crazy. I was a baby in a basket. I was the prince of Egypt. I was a fugitive on the run. And now for 40 years, been watching another man's sheep eat. How did I get here? I think I can get this thing to stay. You don't think I can? Let's do this together. There we go. For 40 years, 40 years, God had a different perspective, as a lot of times he always does. God said for 80 years, 80 years, smarter, wiser, older folks in the room, listen to me, 80 years. Moses was going through an intense training regimen for the intense calling God was about to put on his life. You may say, what was that calling? Well, let's look. In verse 10, Exodus 3.10 says this, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. Whoa, 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 I could hear Moses saying, I don't think you understand the backdrop of this relationship, this situation, this story. The Pharaoh had wanted to kill me 40 years ago, and you're telling me to go back to Pharaoh? I don't think that that's the best idea. God says, you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Could you imagine Moses saying this? Like, I think there's somebody else. There's got to be somebody else, because it's not me, the guy that has been hunted by Pharaoh twice as a baby and as a fugitive. Twice I've been hunted. There's got to be somebody else to go and do this. Again, God always has a different perspective. Think about this. For 40 years, Moses was in the royal family. Who better? Who better? than to lead Israel's slaves out of Egypt than a man that was in the royal family for 40 years. 
knew all about the Egyptian ways. And then for 40 years, Moses was shepherding sheep in the wilderness. This same terrain that he was gonna be leading God's people across. So he then had knowledge of where the watering holes were, how to defend and what to defend with from enemies, how to guide a group, the safe places to go. Moses, mm, Moses was in an intense season of preparation, church. I wanna speak to us this morning. Riverbend Church, we've been in a season of preparation. This church is coming up on 80 years as Moses was called to his ultimate calling 80 years into his life. We've been through an intense season of preparation. Everything that has ever happened in your life wasn't by chance. No, no, no. It was not by chance. Rather, God has been preparing you for the intense calling that he has on your life. Church, we've been in a season of preparation. Moses, in his story, 80 years was in an intense season of preparation. And in verse 10, we saw what his calling was to lead God's people out of Egypt. But as Moses is a human, just like the rest of us, Moses is a human and he does what? He protests God. He protests. Let's look at Moses' first protest today in verse 11. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? It's here that we see one of the most personal questions we could ever ask. Who am I? I think we were, if we were to be honest, we've all asked that question at some point in our life. Who am I? Who am I? Moses asked that question, who am I? You know, a lot of times when God is calling us to something, we'll start asking the what if questions. We'll start asking questions of who am I to do this? There's other people. There's better people. And when we do that, as I said earlier, the enemy will start to creep in. And he creeps in by saying words like this, you're not enough. Oh, Preston, you're not capable of doing that. You're too old. Maybe you've thought that. You're too young. Maybe you've thought that. You're not worthy. You're not called. Somebody else is better equipped for this than you are. You know what happens when we let the enemy whisper into our ears a lot of times? the your starts turning to an I'm. And we start saying it about ourselves: I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. 
I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm not capable of doing what God has called me to do. I don't have enough. Lean in for just a second. Can I speak some truth into your life this morning? If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins, you are enough. You are enough. Not but because of you. Mm-mm. Not because of Preston. But because of the Jesus that lives inside of me. And the Jesus that lives inside of you. You are worthy because you are called by his name. According to his purpose and his plan. And I promise you this. God will provide no matter how little you have. Or how little you think that you are. God will provide Church, what if we started to listen to what God says about our most personal questions? I want to see what God says here in verse 12. If you'll go with me, God answered and said this, I will be with you. What does that tell me? You are enough because of he that is inside of you. What does it go on to say? And this is your sign that I am with you. Mm. I'm the one that has sent you. You are called. Church, you are called. Everybody in the room, if you're online with us, you are called. This is my favorite part. And you have brought, mm, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, when you have, not if you do, when you have, you will worship God at this very mountain. You know what that tells me, church? God will provide. God will provide. When there seems there's no way, when it seems like our back is against the wall, when it seems like you don't have enough, God will provide. But I think we can still relate to Moses because what does he do again? He protests again for the second time. He says this, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, oh, this is good church. I hope you're listening right here. I am who I am. Somebody in the house say, I am. Somebody in the house say, I am. Who the I, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. You know what I am means? Do you know what I am means? When written as a standalone description, I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, an immediate presence that God stands, ever-present and unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself to do what he wants to do and to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Church, that's my God. That's the God you serve. That's him. Isn't it amazing that we serve a God that in himself is able to do anything and everything that he wants to do by himself? However, we serve a God. We serve a God that wants to use broken people like Moses, a murderer. 
You think you've done something too bad for God not to use you? God used to murder her. He uses broken people like me. And I promise you, he wants to use a broken person like you. There's something I want to tell you this morning. God doesn't want your perfectness. He wants your brokenness. Who did God come for? To seek and save those that were lost, not the perfect people. Also says there is none righteous, no, not one. So he came for all. God wants to use broken people. Exodus 4, 1. Very important passage right here. But Moses protested again for the third time we see Moses protest here. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? Feeling insufficient right here. What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Church, we look at Moses' last protest. God took a different stance took a different approach, and I even believe his tone changed in his voice. Verse 2, and the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Church, I feel so strongly in this moment. Riverbend Church, the body of Christ, I feel so strongly in this moment that God wants to use us. We've been through an an intense season of preparation. We've asked all the questions, the personal questions, the what if questions. We've asked them. I've asked them. And I can so clearly hear it. I can so clearly hear it. God telling us this morning, the big church and the local church, Riverbend Church, every single person in the seat, if you're online with us this morning, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? What is it that I have blessed you with? Who is that person that I've sit beside you right where you are in your seat? Who's that person that I've put beside you at work? or at school, what's in your hand? Fathers, can I talk to you for a moment? Because as I was studying this, this is what God asked me. He said, Preston, what's in your hand? And he answered for me the funny thing. Fathers in the room, Who is it that is under your roof that I've entrusted you with? Single mothers, who is it under your roof that I've entrusted you with? For me, it's four people. God has entrusted us with a lot. How are we going to steward what he's given us? Also, you may say this right here. Preston, I don't, I don't quite know what God's put in my hands. I don't quite know 
what God may be calling me to in this moment. My question to you is what burden has God put on your heart? Is it to foster or to adopt? Is it for the foster care system as a whole? Is it for the local church? Is it for our next generation? Is it for those that are in prison and in jail that you can go love on them and present the gospel to them? Is it to give and to feed to the needy, homeless? What's the burden that God's put on your heart? You know, God uses our burdens oftentimes to give us our callings. God will use your burden to give you your calling. My question is what is in your hand? What is it that God's entrusted you with that he wants to use now? He wants to use now. Think of the story of Moses as we go on a few verses further and then we're gonna wrap up here in just a moment. God called out to Moses a few verses later in three and four and said, throw it on the ground. And so he did. He threw it on the ground. It turned into a snake. Trust me, I don't have any snakes this morning. I'm not going to bring a snake out. I don't like them. He said, now pick it up. So Moses probably timidly picked it back up by the tail. And no longer did he have a shepherd's staff in his hand, church. Chapter 4, verse 20 sounds like this. And Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand, what he carried, not a shepherd's staff. He carried the staff of God. Church, the littleness that you have, that you think is so little, God can transform and lead slaves out of Egypt. He can turn somebody's life around because of what he's given you and entrusted you with. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to do something? There's this big theological idea that comes with this studying of this passage. And it takes years. I'm just kidding. I'm 27 years old. It doesn't take years to figure this out. It's two words. Do something. Do something. My question is, what are you going to do with what God has given you? What God has entrusted you with, what are you going to do? Because God can transform something that seems so little. And maybe for you this morning, God wants to transform your life. From a broken vessel that's not enough, not worthy, not capable, to if you place your faith in Jesus, 
you are worthy. You are enough because of he that lives in you. God can transform you. And so this morning, my question that I want to end today with is this. And you have a card on your chair and it asks you that question. If you grab out that card, I want you to read it out. You don't have to read it out loud, but read it as I say this question. What's in your hand? What's in your hand this morning? On that line at the bottom, I'm going to challenge you to do something right now. I want you to write down what God has entrusted you with. What God has put in your hand. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a calling to go overseas and do mission work. Maybe it's a calling to start serving within the local church. Nothing is too little, nothing is too big for my God. I want you this morning to write down what God has put in your hand right now. Write down what God has put in your hand. In just a moment, what I want us to do as the band sing and as the band plays, I want us to, what we have in our hand, what we put down on that card, again, maybe it's your life that you are still holding on to and you need to come up here today and you need to give it to him. You need to give it to him. He will transform who you are. He will transform what little you have. So today as they sing, the response is this. Write down what God has entrusted you with, church. Write down what God has entrusted you with, person that hasn't yet said yes to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and picked up your cross and followed him daily. I want you to come down here and I want you to lay it down. Give it over to him. I promise you, he wants to use you. A broken vessel like me, if I can stand up here for 30 some odd minutes and tell you about the savior of the world that loves you and died for you, I promise you, he can use you to witness to the person to the right or to the left of you. I promise you, we serve a God that can and will. So this morning, as they play, you move. You move. Jesus, this morning, we love you. We thank you. I pray for boldness all over across this room. God, online this morning, I pray for their boldness that they would fall on their knees before you and hand over what you have entrusted them with so you can transform it. You can transform it into something extraordinary. Father, we love you. We thank you. You're such a good father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.